0: Word of God. Um, I think the Psalm has said it all. In a Psalm, <clears throat> he said in Psalm 16, "Thou wilt show me the path of life; for in your presence is fullness of joy." Well, oh, thank you. And at your right hand, he says, there are pleasures forevermore. Somehow we've got to get this in our minds, that God's presence and God's house and God's people is the place where you want to be, where you want to experience this presence, this power, this glory. You know, and I was thinking, Lord, help me, help you to honor the person of the Holy Spirit who glorifies Christ so that we can see who we are and what we are. And he says in the next Psalm 17, Hear the right, O Lord, attend to my cry, give ear to my prayer that goeth out of my lips. Then he says, Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes Behold, things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shall find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. And you know, when Psalmist David was a man who made some mistakes, but he was a man after God's own heart. He found the secret of God's power and presence. And God taught him on those hills of Bethlehem and he found this power. And you have got to find this presence and power in your life. You have to realize that it's God's word, anointed word that comes into our lives. That as we come each day to that table, God will give you a word and it's anointed and it comes from the throne and it quickens you. It feeds you. It heals you it renews your mind it transforms you into the image of Christ so that you're no longer the same person but you're in a process of change continuous change where you've been changed into the image of Christ but you have to be willing to be sanctified you have to be willing for the Holy Spirit to deal with things in your life that can hold you back. And it's possible that you're here today, and it might be you're doing something that's actually grieving the Spirit, but you don't know it. You don't actually know that you're grieving the Spirit. But as you come to the Word, the Word brings light. And that light lightens up the thing that you don't see until the Holy Spirit lightens it up and saying to you, let my sentences Come forth, the psalmist said, from his presence. And you know that the the Christian faith is the great confession. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth unto salvation. And somehow we have to get this, as we said in Peter, it's justification, it's sanctification, but it's glorification. You've got to have this glory. Jesus prayed this before Gethsemane. In John 7, there's four chapters with Passover to Gethsemane, 14, 15, 16, and 17. What important chapters those are, where Jesus is speaking to his church, us his disciples. And he's saying to us, oh, That glory I had with it, I'm gonna get it back. And when I get it back, I'm gonna give it to you. And we need it. <laughs> we need that glory in our lives. We need that presence. You know, Cory Tembu was cast into belson because she helped the jews and all her family died but the verse of scripture kept her alive and brought her out and around the world and it was romans 5:5, the love of god the glory of the presence of god shed abroad in our hearts by the holy ghost and that is the assurance that whatever you're going through no matter what you're facing you can come through it because you feel this assurance you feel this presence in your life and you know that god Is with you and in you and you know the Roman epistle doesn't stop at that it says that you're now adopted you're now a son and a daughter you're now an heir you're a joint heir and then he gets into and and then Paul and then he finishes there and and, um, he goes on then in Romans 9 and 10 and 11 and in this and in these wonderful gospel he preaches, he says, this is God's, they call it theodicy. This is God's p- ultimate purpose. And he deals with the tragic rejection of the Jews, the absolute sovereignty of God in electing who he will, the vindication of salvation, the danger of misuse of truth and doctrine, and the full explanation of the Jews, and the wisdom of God. We don't always know what we're going through. We don't always understand what we're going through. But we know that God's purpose is to bring you to glory. Bring many sons to glory. And whatever I'm going through, if I can keep my eyes on Jesus, I can keep the witness of the Spirit in my life, I know I'm walking by faith. I know that I'm going to come to that place in my life that God wants me to be, I want to grow. Do you want to grow? Or do you still want to be a baby in Pampas? I want your bottle. We've got to grow up, haven't we? We've got to grow up. <laughs> 2 Peter 3, the end of 2 Peter, 2nd Epistle of Peter says, Grow in grace. What is it, 2 Peter? And knowledge. We have to grow in grace and knowledge. You know, somebody got in a glory meeting and said, we don't need knowledge, we just need love. Sorry sister, you missed it. We desperately need knowledge. <laughs> I was here, the prophet says, my people perish through lack of knowledge. <laughs> We've got to know about Jesus. We've got to know that he's the best lover we've got. He's the person that loves me. He's the person that loves you. <laughs> and he's the person you've got to be in right fellowship with. Our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's thinking. And you know, <clears throat> God, you know, it's, it's justification, sanctification, glorification. In Psalm 1, you've got the opposite. Of what in Psalm 1, uh, the psalmist says this: He says, Don't, what does he say? Blessed is the man that what? walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That man's going downhill. But we're going uphill, we're justified. We sit with Christ. Isn't it? We can walk in the Spirit and we can stand. Ephesians 6 Having therefore all stand. Why? Because we're clothed with the garments of salvation. We've got the armor of light on and when the enemy attacks you, you stand. Do you know when you're a baby and you get a baby born, and Luke knows all about this, the baby's lying down, isn't he? And then suddenly the baby sits up. Doesn't he? Sits up. He begins to sit up, doesn't he? I remember Richard, he felt his back and he used to sit up. And then, he walks, and he can stand. And even when they start walking, when they start to stop, they fall down, don't they? (laughs) Well, there's a lot of Christians. We need to walk, learn to walk in the Spirit. We, God wants to teach us to walk in the Spirit, because if you can walk in the Spirit, he said, Paul says, you won't fulfil the what? Lust of the, the lust of the flesh, <laughs> isn't it? You know, I, I think we're all. You know, I, I do quite well some of the time. <laughs> then, <laughs> I stumble. I stumble. But I'm getting better. I'm, I, I'm on my way. <laughs> Are you on your way? <laughs> we're learning, and then we can stand. <laughs> you know, um, this time at Easter, I, on, on Tuesday night, we were doing this, and I was thinking... And I was thinking about how, about Jesus, and I was thinking, this tremendous statement that comes right throughout the Bible, two words, and this is, I am, I am, two big words, and they're so big. You know, Moses was in the backside of the desert. He'd been there for a long time now, <laughs> looking after sheep and goats. And it says in Exodus 3, he came to the backside of the desert to um, the Mount of God. Now, it wasn't the Mount of God, but he'd made it the Mount of God. Or oh, Sinai. This, this is where... He was meeting God. You've got to find a place where you meet God. Psalm 91, your secret place. You've got to find this place. It's my brown sofa. It could be anywhere. You know, wherever it is, you get, I get up in the morning early, and then I'm going to the Word of God and saying, Lord, help me. I didn't do too well yesterday, but I can do better today. <laughs> you know, I, I I want to grow, do you? Do you want to grow? Or do you want to be a spiritual pygmy? Do you want to grow? I want to grow in grace and knowledge, don't you? There's so much to know in here. There are devils, there's depths, there's heights. And you know, as I as I was reading this about Moses, and Moses, look at it, Exodus three. It says in Exodus, and Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father in Lord, priest of Midian, and led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to what? The mountain of God, even to Horeb, the Sinai. Well, I don't believe it was always the mountain of God. Moses had been here 40 years. He must have thought it was over. And you might think it's over. (laughs) But if you can find a mountain of God, if you can find your secret place, one day, I Am will turn up. One day, I am will turn up. And when he turns up, Jesus, (laughs) everything changes. (laughs) Everything changes. Think about this man, Moses. Run for his life from Egypt, 40 years. He'd been 40 years looking after his sheep. And he must have thought, what am I doing here in this desert with all these sheep and goats? What is going on? And you might be saying, what is going on? <laughs> but you can find God. Did you know God comes to people? And so he's looking, he's, he's walking by, and it says, in the flock at the backside of the desert, he comes, him, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. An angel of the Lord means the Lord, Jesus. That's what, what's called a theophany. Appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush and looked And behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed and moses said i will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burned and when he turned aside to see god and no and when the lord saw rather excuse me that he turned aside to see see when the lord sees that you turn aside. That's the point, isn't it? When the Lord sees that you turn aside from whatever you're thinking, whatever you're doing, and you're going to say, I'm going to seek the Lord. I want to see the Lord. Because I know, if I can see Jesus, everything will be different. I know about Jesus but I want to see it. What faith does, it gives you sight to see something that the natural eyesight cannot see. You turn aside. The trouble is, a lot of people see something and if they would turn aside, they would see the Lord. But they're too busy doing everything they want, so they don't turn aside, so they don't see the Lord. And it says he turned aside. And when the Lord saw that, he says, he called him out of the bush and said, Moses, he said, here am I. And he said, draw not hither, put off the shoes of your feet, for the place whereon you stand is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am the God of our father, God of Abraham, Isaac, God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid. And the Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people in Egypt, heard their cry, and this is the big statement, and I am come down to deliver them. I am come down to deliver them. You know, that one encounter by Moses with Jesus changed his whole life. One encounter. He was, no, he was now on a journey to do something he could never have done without the I am. Couldn't have done it. You can't do it. I can't do it. But when I am comes, everything changes. And you know, I was thinking... John the Apostle, of all the Apostles, had the greatest revelation of I am. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. And whatever your need is this morning, Jesus is your I am. Isn't he? If we can get hold of it. If we can see him. But you see, this, this gospel is a matter of revelation, isn't it? It's all a matter of revelation. I bet a lot of bushes burnt in the desert. And I bet Moses could have said, Oh, another bush burning through the heat. But this bush was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. And so Moses thought, What's going on here? And he turned aside. Do you know my mind thinks things, your mind thinks things, you want certain things in life, and you think about this and think about that and think of the other. But what about, what, what does Jesus think? What does the Word of God think about it? When you're facing something, are you going to the I am or are you going to whatever? Isn't <laughs> no. it? He's the person that knows exactly how to. Do what you need to do. It's what Mary said to them at the Cana, isn't it? Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. I'm coming to see that if I can keep in tune and in fellowship with Jesus, something's going to happen. It's all a matter of revelation, isn't it? You see, even Jesus in his humanity and in his flesh, when he walked about the earth, how was it that some people saw Jesus, who he was, And other people had not a clue who he was. Joseph's son, the carpenter from Nazareth. And we know his brothers and sisters. But he was the son of man. He was the son of God. Wasn't he? He was the great I am. And I'm I'm coming to see, my problem is, when I'm thinking wrong things, and, and this is what the psalmist said, let my sentences come out of thy presence. And I'm trying to understand and know that I, I, my source, my life, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But there's a lot of tables laid out there that says to you, go and try some of this. but it's not good stuff. The table we go to is the table of the Lord, isn't it? He's the person that can feed us with what we need to meet our need. And you know, I am asking the Holy Spirit to help me because I need, I know that God is... Deep. I spoke a, I was speaking to this woman on a train yesterday. I thought, what is that woman looking at me for? And she said, can I come and sit, to, sit with you? And she said, well, what are you reading? I said, I'm reading Romans. I said, have you ever read Romans? No, she said, I haven't read any. I have never read Romans. What is Romans? I said, well, here. I said, have a look for yourself. (laughs) Read a bit. (laughs) Well, this woman, I could tell, had something on her mind. I was telling telling one few of you. And I I just about had, oh, everything she'd been through in her life, you know. And I said, yeah, well, I said, you're not on your own. (laughs) I've been through some stuff too. But I said, this book of Romans has sorted me out. (laughs) (laughs) This book of Romans has changed my life. (laughs) This book of Romans has got me to see what a believer in God is through Christ Jesus, and it has given me his righteousness and that whatever I'm going through, the I am will bring me through whatever I've got to go through because I'm more than a conqueror because Jesus is an I am. <laughs> Isn't he? Whatever I'm going through, I am. You know, interesting, if you read John 18, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas had come, hadn't he, to betray Jesus and had gone to get... These soldiers, Roman soldiers, Jewish soldiers, and they reckon about 400 people now come to arrest Jesus. One man, 400 soldiers. Why? Because they tried on numerous occasions to arrest the great I Am, and every time they said, I Am, he disappeared. He just went straight through them. <laughs> they thought, where is that Jesus gone? <laughs> he was gone. They tried to, start of his ministry, they tried to cast him off a cliff in Nazareth, didn't they? But he just went through them. Well, these 400 soldiers now, guards from the temple, guards from the, the Romans, have come, and they said, and he said, if you read it in John 18, I am... And they all collapse like a pack of cards. <laughs> collapse like a pack of cards. Jesus, if Jesus was that powerful, think about it. As the Son of Man, think how powerful he is now as the glorified Son of Man. Think about it. How powerful is the name of Jesus? Isn't it? Can you get a revelation of the I am? Can you? I'm trying to. I'm trying to realize it changed Moses' life completely. Think about it. 40 years looking after sheep and goats. The next minute, one man and his brother is going against the greatest nation and powerful nation of the world, Egypt and said I've come to get all my fellow brethren Israelites out of your kingdom the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous but it's not ridiculous when you've got the I am I am Jesus said to Moses that I am not I was, not I'm going to be I am we're talking about eternity here. Yeah? we're talking about the glory here. Yeah? we're talking about the power I tell you what I've I've had a fresh revelation of who Jesus is think of his power I can't I think of Gethsemane think of Gethsemane the disciples are now in Gethsemane and Jesus is a short distance from them and he's prostrate on the floor he's in agony He's crying out to his Father. If it is at all possible, let this cup pass from me. The disciples have never seen Jesus like this. Ever. Never. They've seen him walk on water, raise the dead, blind eyes opened, but never seen Jesus like this. They say what Jesus suffered in Gethsemane was terrible. The top layer of his skin came off the bottom layer. The sweat came through his pores and the blood was coming through his vessels. And he was sweating drops of congealed blood. And Jesus said to his disciples, Don't sleep. Watch and pray that you enter not to temptation. These disciples have been with Jesus three and a half years. Jesus needed these people to pray with him. Jesus needs you to watch and pray, because there's brothers and sisters who are going through it. They need your encouragement. They need your strength. But they'd never seen Jesus. They couldn't face it. Jesus in this condition and under the pressure those disciples were unable to do what they should have done. And so it says an angel came from heaven and strengthened him. Do you know if you're going through emotional trauma Jesus took that in the garden. Your fears Your depression. And Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. That's what Jesus did for me. That's what Jesus did for you. Oh, he could have called 10,000 angels, 12 legions of angels, couldn't he? He could have just said one word. Do you know why Jesus never said anything of his trial? Because if he did say, I am at the trial, it would have all fell flat. That's the power Jesus had. Come on. That's the power Jesus has now. He's got all power in heaven, in earth, and under there. Come on, let's face it. That's how powerful Jesus is. He created all things. He's the creator of all things. But do we turn aside? Or are we too busy with everything we want to do I I think a lot of people Jesus comes to but they don't turn aside they're not willing to take their shoes off because it's holy ground I said Lord help me Lord help you to so watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. Because I can tell you, when you enter into temptation, Satan's nearly got you. He's nearly got you. We've got to watch it. We've got to watch and pray. And I'm learning something, and I, I think, why didn't I learn this 50 years ago? Where have I been? Well, you can learn it now. Mm. I tell you, what Jesus went through for you and me is almost beyond my mind to even think about a man going through what Jesus went through for me and for you. And it's all been paid for. Everything. This salvation is so great a salvation. Oh, and I was saying, Lord, help me never to not turn aside. Yeah. I believe many of God's people are grieving the Holy Spirit, but I even know in it. They wonder why things are not quite working well. because they're without knowledge. They don't know. Those disciples, see, had a limited knowledge. Think about Judas now. I think Judas never thought that those authorities could take Jesus. He thought, I'll make a quick buck here, and Jesus will come out of it anyway. But in the, when, when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, he says, by the predeterminate counsel of God, Jesus went to the cross for you and me. Yeah, it was predetermined. Read Psalm 22. It's the gory details of the crucifixion are in Psalm 22. It's all prophesied. The two on the road to Emmaus, they thought, they thought, but they didn't think right because they didn't know right. But we can know because we got it. We got it in here. It's wonderful. We got inside information. Yeah. We get to know who the great I am is. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? That my eyes have been open. Are your eyes have been open to see Jesus? <laughs> oh, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. Jesus is wonderful, isn't he? Hallelujah. It's not only a matter of revelation, it's a marvelous and wonderful revelation. <laughs> it's absolutely marvelous and wonderful. And the whole purpose of the gospel is to meet Jesus, to meet God. I want to know you. What is the book of Job all about? It's about a man who was a very good man, a very righteous man, a very upright man. But he had a righteousness that when Satan attacked it, Satan could flatten it. But Jesus suffered all this. So Jesus not only positively in his life obeyed the law, cross every T, dot every I, but at Gethsemane, the trial, the crucifixion, he obeyed it passively. I can't get over that. A person with so much power gave himself up for you and me, he had to do it. As Romans says, we're justified by that blood that was shed. Shed seven ways. Shed in Gethsemane. Shed at the trial when they buffeted him and pulled out his beard and punched him and mocked him and kicked him and put a crown of thorns on his head. And then they flayed his back. And then they drove spikes into his hands and his feet. It's a perfect salvation. Absolutely perfect. He had to be done. There was no other way that the old Adamic man had to be crucified and buried and is gone. Isn't it wonderful? What does Romans 6 say? shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid how shall we that have died to sin live any longer therein but can you see yourself in Christ have you met the I am Or was he just an historical Jesus? Moses was converted at the burning bush. He was a change man. He was a cold man. But at the burning bush, he was a change man. Until you meet Jesus, you're not changed. You're not converted. You might know about Jesus. You might sing songs about Jesus. But when you meet Jesus, everything changes. Oh, what a tremendous person the Lord Jesus Christ is. And he says to us, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. Jesus is with us, walking in the midst. Do you? I want to see Jesus. Do you? I want to be changed. He says, looking unto Jesus. I'm looking at Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of my faith. As I keep looking at Jesus, my faith is being developed. I'm getting stronger. I'm no longer in pampers. I now can dress myself. I now can feed myself. I now can conduct myself around. I don't need to be on the harness anymore. I can, st- I can sit, I can walk, and I can stand. Isn't it wonderful? I'm in a process, are you? All of you arrived. I spoke to his sister. She said, I'm full. I've arrived. I said, have you? No. I'm in a process of change. As I keep looking at Jesus, I've been changed from one degree of glory to another. And I want to be changed. I don't like things about me. I think, oh... Oh dear, Lord, how do you put up with me? The Lord is merciful. The Lord is merciful. I'm not the same person I used to be, thank God. (laughs) The grace of God is working in me. Is he working in you? Oh, I tell you jesus is wonderful person (laughs) there's nobody like jesus (laughs) oh he's my great high priest he ministers to me do you know i can go up there in ephesians and sit up there and he ministers to me oh when he starts ministering to me i feel it (laughs) i feel it I can feel his love. It's wonderful. I can feel is it with his arms around me. Oh It's wonderful to be in the presence of Jesus. Oh, there's nobody like Jesus. Oh, glory. Oh, there's nobody like him. Everything about Jesus is wonderful. He's glorious. Oh. Nobody like Jesus. Oh Lord, help us. Help us to submit to God. Because when you're on holy ground, you fall on your face. You submit to God. There's no more thrashing about. I want my way. I like doing this. And the Holy Spirit says, Oh no. No. Oh no, no! You know what children are like, don't you? We've all had, well, those of us. We know what they're like. Some are more stubborn than others. Well, the Lord's had quite a job with me. I don't know how He's had so much grace with me. <laughs> I've been so stubborn, but I'm still here. See, God looks on the heart. Thank God he does. He does. He looks on the heart. He sees us. I'm his child. You know, our children do things that really annoy us, don't they, at times? But we still love them. Don't we? And, we, and I'm, I'm, I'm adopted. I'm a son. I'm an heir. And I'm a joint heir. (laughs) Everything Jesus has, I have. (laughs) Because I'm in the will. God is my Father. Oh, I cry, Abba Father. I cry, Abba Father. Do you know when you're in need, you've got a Father. You cry. When your child cries, you do something, don't you? Well, we can cry a father, the children of Israel cried to Father God, and God sent them a Moses. But we've got a greater than Moses, we've got Jesus. <laughs> oh, we've got Jesus, <laughs> isn't it wonderful? We've got Jesus. Oh, he's tremendous, but you've got to work it out, and this is sanctification and you're not going to arrive there overnight just to tell you, because I'm old enough in the tut to know that. It doesn't come overnight. Now the great Bible teachers of previous decades have argued about where sanctification is in Romans. Some of them think it starts at Romans 5.12 and goes through to Romans 7. Others think it doesn't. But I can tell you one thing that one of the problems of the gospel we got today is the grace is wonderful, yeah. But unfortunately, we got an enemy. And he's out to get people, and especially when they're babies. And you need to know who you are. You need to know what you've got. So that when the enemy attacks you, You can stand. And you you, you know, the thing about this is, you see, you don't give weapons to babies. Do you? You can't give a weapon to a baby. That person's got to grow before they can stand spiritually to put on the armor of God. So you've got to learn to sit to walk in the Spirit and then you can stand. And having done all to stand. There's some things in my life I find easy to stand against. But there's some other things I don't find so easy. I find. And I know the Holy Spirit saying to me don't sleep on it. Watch and pray that you don't enter into the temptation where you might be tempted to give in. No, make a stand. God wants to strengthen you, God wants to build you up in the most holy faith. But you have to do your part, and I have to do my part. Philippians says, Is God That worketh in you. Both to will. And to do of his good pleasure. Work out. Your own salvation. With fear. And trembling. Let no man. Steal your crown. Now I know there's a teaching today. That you can't fall from grace. But it's in the word of God. I didn't put it there. I didn't put it there. I'm all for eternal security. I, I, I'm not against it, but unfortunately there's an enemy. And he's out to get people. And we've got to know. Paul says, we mustn't be ignorant of his devices. Was it say, in 2: Peter 1:10, "Wherefore there are the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling an election? sure because if you do these things you shall never what fall or fail yeah when i was 35 very successful job everything i had and a beautiful house everything i had i was a founder member of the golf club i was somebody in the conservative club all my clients went there. And suddenly God decided to put the finger on my life. Yeah. If God has called you, and God has done something in your life, he isn't going to let you go. <laughs> I went through a process, boy. <laughs> what a painful process. But I'm still here. I've come out on the other side. Because <laughs> I met the I am. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. Oh. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Oh, when Jesus says I am, Moses' life completely changed. <laughs> so can your life and so can mine. Let's keep looking at Jesus, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful we got Jesus? Oh, yeah. It's wonderful, isn't it? I don't want to fail. And this is what Peter says here For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this is it. 2 Peter 3 8, but grow in grace and in the knowledge our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you going to come closer? Are you going to come closer? Well, what is this that Paul is saying in Romans? What is he getting at? Why is there all these chapters? What is this all about? Romans 6 is the new man. 2 Corinthians 5, so... 21 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You're a new creation. But you've got to know it. But you've got a body, see, that is not yet redeemed. And that body can speak to you. And this is the problem. And what Romans 6 is saying to you, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, the grace may the God forbid... How shall we that are dead? It should be, correct translation should be that have died. We've got to get this. Live any longer. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism and death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we are also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that our old man and he says is, but it was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed at henceforth. He should not sit. Now I struggle with this chapter for years. I thought, "What on earth is Paul on about? I don't feel at all dead. My flesh wants to do this and he wants to do that and I feel like doing this. What in the world is he on about? Dead? I don't feel at all dead. Yeah. But this is all to do with truth. This is the word of God. I didn't write it. The Holy Spirit did. And one of the things that we have to grasp is that and of course, it, the previous chapter, which is on union, from Romans 5.12 to the end, it says to me, but you were in Adam, and when you get born again, which Jesus said to Nicodemus, you become a different person. You're born of God. You were born in Adam. Now you're born of God. You're begotten of God. You're not just created, you're a quickened spirit. And this is where we've got to understand that you are a a spirit that has a soul and you live in this body. And Romans 7 is all about this body. Oh, he says, the very thing that I want to do, do, the very stupid thing I do. Why? Because you've got this body. I know a lot about that. I could kick myself at the backside if I could. I, but I can't. But I, could. I think sometimes, what is the matter with you? What is the matter with you? Don't you get this? I said, Lord, I do get it. I do get it. I, I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm on my way. Lord, I am going to do it. <laughs> but I'm in a process. And so are you. I'm in a process. Oh, dear. You know, some of the people, some of the Bible teachers won't touch this because things that Eastern religions say that the body is sinful. Well, the body isn't sinful, but if you yield your members of your body to sin, it becomes sinful. Isn't it? It's who you yield yourself to is whether what you become, isn't it? It's not you. There's nothing physically wrong with it, but we know all the problems the body kept. You know, as this woman said to me on the train, you see, I thought this bloke was fine. I married him, and now he's left me with my children. And I got this huge mortgage, she said, and I've got to work so hard to pay. I said, I know all about it. I said, I I know, I've I've seen it. I've got, my son has now got friends, and exactly the same things happen. Look, it's trauma. I said, I went through trauma when I was a bit younger than you, just under 40, and I said, this is what got me out of it. Romans. (laughs) Romans. <laughs> I told her, looking at me, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then there was a, a girl over there reading a Bible, and she wanted to talk to me because I knew she was listening to everything I was saying to this woman. And every time I went to, I thought, I, what, what? and this woman said, ah, but, but and then she was asking me all these questions. You see, the thing is, a lot of people are seeking God. Moses was seeking God 40 years, and suddenly he found Jesus in the bush. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it took a long time. You know God slow bakes some of us. <laughs> we think when Lord? When Lord? When? When is it gonna happen? <laughs> when is it gonna happen? Well it's hard, isn't it? This pro well Think about what Jesus suffered for you in the garden. Think about his suffering, the mockery at his trial. Think about the lashing of the whip, of a Roman whip. How he survived that and ever got to the cross, I do not know. It must have been God. And how on the cross, with all that suffering, he could turn to a a thief and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. How could he do all that? And then say to John, Mary, this is you take my mother. That's Jesus. Wonderful. It's absolutely tremendous. I cannot get over it. The great I am. And we have got this salvation. No wonder Peter says, make your calling and election sure. What do you value? This is more valuable than your investments. (laughs) It's more valuable than anything. This is the gold. This is the gold. Our faith. The most valuable thing we've got is faith. We have like, precious faith, Peter says. Oh, it's wonderful. See, when you honour him, God honours you. Yeah, when we honour Jesus. The sin of the world is not so much the sins they're doing, but the rejection of God's Son, isn't it? Of what Jesus did for us. And the problem with the the Christian gospel is not just to give you uh, lollipops and ice creams. No, it's to get you in right relationship with God. You know, when, when the Pharisees were questioning Jesus and they're saying to him, do you think murder is worse than adultery or adultery is worse than that? Jesus gave him the first commandment. He said, I shall love the Lord the God with all the heart, soul, mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. It's all about relationship. It's all about fellowship. It's all about me becoming a worshiper and a fellowship. It's all about me offering up an acceptable sacrifice. It's all about honouring me him with my tithe. A lot of people don't believe in the tithe. But Malachi says, if you don't, you're under reward. Mm. Serious. Serious. God sees what you honor and God sees what I honor. And God knows you better than I know you and he knows every one of us. Yeah. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will help us all to honor him. for God will honor you. Romans John 5.44 <coughs> How can you receive honor from God that honor this more than him? No, it won't work. I thank God that that what God is saying to us today is the whole gospel. It's the whole thing, not just bits of it. (laughs) We want the complete gospel. We want the whole thing. We just don't want grace without sanctification. And without sanctification, without glorification, we want the whole thing. God wants to bring us to a place of assurance in him so that we can say, I know him. I know Jesus. And he wants you to know him. He wants you to have fellowship with him. And then he says in Romans 7:7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. The tremendous thing that happened on the cross when Jesus cried, It is finished. But he not only died in his flesh for us and took our punishment and our transgressions and our sins, but he was separated from God, his Father, when he cried, my God. The word in Romans 3.25 is propitiation. He was cut off. As that psalm we read said, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. That was hell for Jesus. Jesus. To be cut off from his father. But in hell he took the keys of death and hell. And he rose triumphant over it all. He has all power. In heaven. In earth. And under the earth. Jesus has got all power. All power. And this is it. You have to see yourself now in Christ for if we be dead with Christ, we believe we live with him. I live with Christ. Do you? Yeah. Because in that, that old Adamic man, Adam, died in the spiritual realm. It's not something I experience, it's something I know. Because it's the word of God. It's like the justification by faith, people can't get it. How can God justify ungodly people? But when you put your faith in Christ and what he's done and you truly repent, that ungodly person is now declared righteous. His sins are all paid for. He's now declared righteous and just in the sight of God. The religious mind can't accept that. The religious mind says, I've got to do something to earn this. You can't. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. And this is the confusion. So you've got legalism on one side, license on the other. And these are the two ditches that some people who call themselves Christians fall into. But no, we must stay on the highway of faith. Paul calls it a new and a living way. And we keep walking on this way. Keep walking by faith. Walk by faith. The just live by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you've got to have hearing. You've got to have sight. And if you're born of God, and you're alive, you've got hearing. <laughs> Haven't you? But if you're dead in religion, got, you can't hear nothing. You can't see nothing. You know, when I studied Romans 9 the other week, and I was thinking, God is dealing with the rejection of the Jews. I thought he came to his own and his own received him not. And with all the prophecies and with all the psalms and all Moses said and the very person they were waiting for they missed the whole thing. What a tragedy. I don't want to miss what God's got for me. Do you? No, no, no. no. You've got to give diligence to this. You've got to put your mind to this. And you've got to say, I'm going to attend to this. So Solomon said, attend to my words. And Solomon 4, Proverbs 4. You see, Job came to this place and he asked the question, how can a man, in Job 9, how can a man then be just before God? But once you got your foot on the rock, Christ Jesus, once you know you're declared righteous, once you know you're more than forgiven and you're declared righteous and you understand that you're a child of God and you're adopted, it's like the Baptist minister, Christmas Evans. Been a Baptist minister a long time, walking from Dol to McCuntley to Akkadah Idris, and suddenly the Holy Spirit said to him, Do you know that you're adopted? That you're my child? And suddenly that man, he got quickened. He got born of God. He'd been in the pulpit for a long time. He suddenly got quickened and alive. And he brought revival to that part of Wales. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will quicken us. Don't you think, to? We can be quickened. You hath he quickened. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? I can't Be too long. I know you sat here long enough. You've been very patient. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to go into Romans 6 and 7 again. But you see, the problem is, in Paul is dealing in Romans 6 with license, in Romans 7 he's dealing with legalism. And there are two dangers, self-righteousness and unrighteousness. I don't want to fall into either trap. I want to walk in the Spirit, don't you? I want to walk by faith. I want to please God. Isn't it wonderful what the Lord has done? Well, we've been long enough. It's now 12 o'clockies. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Wonderful thing what God has done for us. And you know, when we respect this word, when we honor this word, God anoints this word. He anoints it. Lord, we pray now for this morning, for yes, your Lord. people, We pray that the entrance of your word will bring life and healing and restoration and strength and renewal. That, Lord, each one of us will go up another step, another step nearer. That we arise up in the Spirit. That we'll be changed people. Lord, help me in these days ahead to do what you call me to do in these days. Help us not to sleep. Help us to watch. Help us to pray. And that we'll be there when somebody needs us. Lord, we pray for every need in this congregation. Whether it's, con- for it's physical, emotional, family, financial, whatever it is. We know, Lord, that you have provided everything. You hone everything. You are the heir of all things. And we are joint heirs with you. We thank you, Lord, this morning for your great provision that you paid the price in full. Everything has been done. And Lord, help us to use what you've given us for your glory and for your kingdom that we might be a people of praise and power that the anointing will rest on our lives, that we'll feel that presence and that we'll never stray from you, Lord. You'll keep us in this way, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord. We lift up our hands to you today, Lord. and We say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and touch our lives. Come and touch us. Come and renew us. We need you, Lord. We need your anointing. We need your power. We need to be like Mary. Magdalene, who gave her past to you. She gave her past to you. And she entered into a wonderful new life. She poured it out. Upon you, Lord. And you said, wherever this gospel is preached, this woman's faith and devotion will be remembered. Lord, give us a heart like Mary Magdalene to pour it all out. It's all gone. The old man has gone. He's been crucified. He's been buried. And he's finished. And there are new creations in Christ We are new people, with a new place to sit, with a new Heavenly Father, with a new destiny. We're on our way to this place that you said, in my house are many mansions. I would have told you but I go to prepare a place for you. Thank you, Lord, that you care for us and you love us. In Jesus' name, Amen.